Welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. My name is Nick Higgins, firefighter and author of the Five Tool Firefighter book. Each week, we bring you an inspiring message or person to help you become the best version of yourself you could be. This journey is for the long haul, not the short. Now let's start our journey to becoming the best version of ourselves we could be. Welcome back to the Five Tool Firefighter Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to talk about what is in the fourth attribute of the Five Tool Firefighter, fit for duty, and the topic that I talk about with wellness and talk about nutrition. But today I have a special guest to talk more about nutrition and talk why nutrition and what you eat is very beneficial to you as a person and to you while you're on shift performing your duties as a firefighter. See, I have, and please forgive me if I pronounce your last name wrong if I should ask you before we start it. Um, Megan Watts? Laps, you're close enough. (laughs) Megan Laps, who is a registered nutritionist, dietitian, who will be talking about this a little bit more. So Megan, welcome to the Five Tool Firefighter. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate the time. I appreciate you coming on and talking about this. So to start things off, let me tell everybody a little bit about who you are and how you got into nutrition and how you got into the fire service. Sure. Um, so my name is Megan Louts. I'm a registered dietitian and strength coach for Fairfax Fire and Rescue, uh, just to the left of DC. Uh, I've been with them for about a year and a half now. And then prior to that, I was with Montgomery County Fire and Rescue on the other side of DC uh, in Maryland for about five years. Um, and I specialize in first responder nutrition. So basically, how do I eat when I don't have time, money, or energy? Uh, to meal prep, to do all those things that I know I should be doing, um, but I have a hundred million other responsibilities, right? And I work ship work. So, um, you know, I have a master's in sports nutrition. I spent uh, the earlier part of my career in corporate wellness, which I think that's kind of what fire uh, and police nutrition is. It's a mix of corporate wellness and sports nutrition. Uh, And, you know, we just don't know which one we're going to get that day. is the challenge there. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, um, I actually accidentally fell into fire and rescue. I, uh, got a job as a corporate wellness manager at like a a health clinic in Montgomery County. And they said, Hey, you're going to work with public safety. And I was like, cool. What does that mean? And they were like, you're going to find out. (laughs) So, um, took really well to fire. Uh, you know, I took the CPAT, I did recruit training, like actually participated in it, um, just so that I could kind of get an understanding of firefighters and and how challenging it is to get into the career. And then I also did a 24 hour shift at one of the busiest stations in the county, actually one of the busiest stations in the the country, um, and ran five, six calls after midnight, you know, just to, again, try and feel it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up falling into fire and, and police. Um, and really, I'm just kind of here to try and make this stuff actually fit into the lifestyle that is first responders. You do a little everything. You've been a first responder, but you also do the dietitian stuff and you've worked with corporate wellness. Yep. So I guess I'll start off talking about corporate wellness and getting into the fire side. So what are some, and I have some comments on it as well, but I'll say that for later, um, Absolutely. what is the difference that you've seen with the corporate wellness side and then moving it into the first responder side as far as nutrition is concerned? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually, the the company that I worked for, uh, we had a contract with Northrop Grumman. So drastically different type of people, you know, the engineers who would come in and hand write their like Excel spreadsheets of their nutrition for the week. It was like, thank you for this information. Um, how much time did you spend on this? Uh, you know, so it it's drastically different. Um, you know, granted at Northrop Grumman, we did have a few night shifters, but for the most part, you're talking about people who go in nine to five, uh, sit at a desk most of the day, but they get to eat dinner with their family and have a full night of sleep, hopefully if they don't have children, right? Because those always get in the way. But when you shift over to firefighters, you know, the 24-hour shifts, the 48-hour shifts, the weird on and off, like there's all different types of shift structures and pretty much all of them suck except for maybe the 2472 seems to be the best from a wellness standpoint uh, or at least a sleep management standpoint. So just the sleep alone throws everything off. Not to mention most engineers, most nine to fivers are not seeing traumatic things on a day-to-day -day basis, right? So, and, and most people after they run a rough call, you're not running back to the station and saying, dang, I could really eat a salad right now. Like that is really what I want to take the edge off of all these feelings that I'm feeling. Um, so those are the two big differences. I mean, you know, uh, other than like some higher risk factors for cardiovascular disease and cancer, uh, the, practic the practice isn't terribly different. It's just how I deliver that information and the things that I focus on are kind of slightly different. If that makes any sense. It, that makes total sense. You know, I, um, once a lot of times, you see a lot of people work at desks a lot, do a lot of sitting down. And yeah. we'll get into the first responder realm in, in a second. You see people sit down a lot mm -hmm. and you notice a type of, I don't really want to say nutrition to put in their body. I want to say lack of nutrition to put in their body. You know, sure. there's a lot of soda. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of times where there's a lot of bagels, donuts, you know, pastry items that are spread out, pizza and everything else. And that plays a, a bad habit onto your nutrition. It plays a bad habit into how you perform because you're eating yeah, almost like no, cal no empty calorie type food when you're talking yeah. about pastries. Have you seen a lot of that coming from both sides? There's just a lot of non-healthy foods being given out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, so the challenge is for a lot of people, whether you're sitting at a desk or not, when you don't sleep very well, the tendency is to go for those like really sweet convenience items, right? Or the energy drinks, which I can go on a full tangent if you would like. Um, it's one of my favorites. But, you know, so those those are the same. And I think at the stations, it's kind of harder because, um, well, in a corporate wellness setting, you also have donuts and pastries and all those fun things on the counters regardless, right? It's somebody's right. leftover birthday cake or whatever. But at the stations, like the community's dropping it off, right? Or like Mission Barbecue just said, hey, we're just going to deliver a bunch of stuff today. And you now have that to, to work around. And who really wants uh, to eat chicken and broccoli that you brought in when you could have Mission Barbecue? It's a hard decision to make, right? Um, so, so the other thing with that is, yeah, we definitely see a lot of that. A lot of fast food, a lot of sugar-sweetened beverages, convenience foods. Um, but one of the things that I find really challenging and that can grind my gears a little bit when it comes to wellness professionals who come into this space is they expect and they see the research and they're like, oh my God, look at all these health risks. 
and like, oh my God, they're tactical athletes. So they need to eat like machines. But firefighters, as much as we want to put, portray them as such, they're not machines. They are still humans with emotions who sometimes want to eat ice cream, right? So really with my recommendations and how I talk to people is, you know, yes, I might talk about the general recommendations that are optimal, right? This is how you optimize performance. This is how you optimize hydration. This is how, you know, yeah, we want to cut out sugar and that kind of thing. But sometimes when I talk like that, and I only talk at that level, it ignores that bottom third of the population who is barely ready to make a change and is actually very resistant to change. And I'm sure you've seen that with firefighters. They're, they're, you know, they hate change, um, but they also hate the way things are, right? Totally. <laughs> so, so, you know, when we come in and we're like, oh my God, you should only eat kale and quinoa and you should only be vegan and never eat after 8 p.m. and make these like crazy recommendations. Like they can stick to it for a day or two, but eventually like life gets in the way and it becomes impossible. So really what I try to do is make this more of a stepwise approach and say, hey, you know, you're drinking 10 Cokes a day. Can we maybe get it down to eight? And then they're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I could probably, I could get it down to eight. And then once we get it down to eight, then we might get it down to six. Um, and we slowly move that down. Or if they're really married to the soda, we say, can you get some walking in? What, what is the least, what is the path of least resistance? The easiest thing you can do to start off to help build your motivation and build, um, I forget, like just kind of snowball affect it and slowly build upon those, those, uh, smaller goals. All right. Yeah, you feel with the fire service, small wins mm -hmm. are greater than just cold Turkey things. Yes. I mean, typically you have a call two o'clock in the morning, you know, sometimes like I was riding ambulance for a long time. You come out of a hospital, you're hungry. You're not going to go and get a nutrient dense meal at two o'clock in the morning anywhere. There's no place open no. and you're not making one. No. So you're going to go to quick check, Wawa, some place that has coffee, packaged goods or, or a diner and hope to get something to eat on your way back just right. because you're hungry. So it, it's a challenge to do that. And I think that there's a lot of, like you were talking about with a lot of wellness people, they don't seem to have that understanding that you can't just cut things completely out of right. your, out of your diet or out of your, your repertoire. I was, um, I was taking a, a nutrition class one day, like a seminar I went to. Sure. And that's what the woman spoke on. Mm -hmm. Cut out, cut out all meat, cut out this, cut out that. Yeah. And these are people from all types of walks of life, all different professions. Mm -hmm. And basically saying, I don't eat anything, but pretty much grass. Yeah, well, that's not going to work with that. How's that going to really fuel you when you're running 24s, 12s, 48s? Yeah. And you're in a position where you have to be, not only be alert, but you have to be able to move. Right. You're not going to be able to just eat vegetables all day. No. And you need some type of, you need more protein and energy and carbohydrates. So what do you think of when you hear um, these people talking about going on these crash diets or going on these... They're, they're eliminating so many things off their diet and they're in this type of field. Well, there's a multiple, multiple factors there. So the number one thing for me is consistency. If you can't stick to a diet, you like it at least 80%, 80 to hundred percent of the time, there are going to be days where you can't stick to it. Right. Um, 
then it's not the diet for you, or it's maybe not even the diet for the, because you're in this career right now, you get pulled to light duty, you might be able to do it. You know, if you retire, you might be able to do it, but the 24 hour, you know, 24 seven call lifestyle, it just, it doesn't typically work. Um, and there are a lot of fad diets too, that they're primarily a marketing game. So yeah, they're going to sound like really shiny and exciting and tell you, you can lose 10 pounds in a week. But you, most people don't keep that 10 pounds off. Um, some, of, some of my least favorites are like the Octavia, the Isogenics, the, the diets that require buying a certain amount of protein bars. Uh, and the health coach is basically a multi-level marketing person who's just actually trying to recruit you to become a coach so they can make more money. You know, And I see why firefighters fall into that. It's a quick fix. They don't have to think about prepping food. Um, it might be relatively more affordable than buying groceries and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, that, that health coach isn't a health coach. You, you're in, your best interest is not at the top of their list. Um, and, it, you know, that might kind of upset some people because I know a lot of people who have done those. Uh, but it, it just doesn't work long term because as soon as you stop eating those protein bars and eating your regular food again, the weight comes right back. And then you're more bloated and more uncomfortable and more miserable than you were when you started plus $400 out of your out of your back pocket. Yeah. So, oh, I mean, I've always been one where people cut carbs completely. Yeah. That's another and one that it's another shock to the body where mm-hmm. you put it back on. Well, it's going to go to places you weren't expecting it to go to because of the fact that you just cut cold turkey on carbs and now you're back on it and you haven't really brought yourself to a state where your body understands what's going on with, with the carbs and the insulin and, every, and glucose and everything else going on. So, I always get really skeptical when I see other people tell me about, oh, I'm on this diet. Right. And I, I get nervous. And I've never been one to say diet because sure. I, don't, I don't believe in diets. Right. I believe more in a healthy meal, healthy. I don't even know the word I'm looking for right now. I always say it, but I can't think of it. But like a diet, an eating pattern is an usually pattern. the yeah. alternative that we use. Yep. So look at something like that. And, you know, I, I had a question flip right on the tip of my tongue and I can't get it out. Sure. Well, it's a, it. that's okay. We can go we're off the low carb. About it. But we'll keep, <laughs> let's go into the low carb first. Let's sure. Let's talk about that a little bit more because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to do some low carb stuff, high protein, low carb. Yeah. Well, but they're not educated on it. Sure. So, so here's the thing with that. Um, anytime someone wants to start a diet, if they tell me they're signing up for Octavia, but they're going to talk to me throughout the process. I will say, I will tell them what I think, right? And and try and be as respectful as possible, right? But you have your, it's up to you. People have the autonomy to choose what diet they would like to try. And sometimes it does work. You know, I've seen intermittent fasting work. I've seen keto work. It's few and far between, but someone should have the right to choose which diet that they want to do. Um, I'm here to educate and say, here's the pros and the cons. um, And here's how I can support you during that process. So my number one suggestion, regardless of what diet you want to go on, have someone who is educated to support you through the process. And usually that's a dietitian. Um, nutritionist is kind of a flaky term. Sometimes you have a really high qualified one. And most of the time it's somebody with some sort of, t- you know, internet certificate who hasn't really worked with people. But with the low carb thing, the evidence suggests that when calories and protein are kept equal in two groups, the low carb group and the high carb group lose just as much weight. It comes down to who can stick to it the longest. 
So some people do prefer to go lower carb. Uh, and sometimes this is people with like mild gluten intolerance. Like they just like, they feel more bloated when they do too many carbs and it makes them uncomfortable. Usually I'd try and find alternatives maybe with like fruit or something like that. Um, but the challenge that I have with going low carb as a firefighter is high intensity activity, which you don't know when the high intensity activity is going to happen. You don't know when a box is gonna drop. It'd be really cool if we did because then we could prepare for it. But other than trainings, you don't know when that's gonna drop, right? So high intensity activity relies primarily on carbohydrate for fuel. It's quick, it's available to the mother muscles very quickly uh, and it can be used uh, and, and it will help you push harder and longer if you are replacing that carbohydrate, which is why we have canteens and all of those, the rehab units and stuff like that. So when people go low carb, a lot of times what we see is an energy lag. They, their, their energy drops a little bit. They feel a little bit more sluggish. They can't push as hard during their workouts. So that is the biggest challenge to work around. Can you do low, low carb and see success in the fire service? Absolutely. But I would argue that your performance is probably not going to be as good if we put you on higher carb and just hold your calories down a little bit. But of course, cutting calories is not easy. It's not a simple process when you don't sleep, you don't prep your meals, you don't know what type of day you're going to have kind of thing. I was, um, have you ever heard of, uh, he's a police officer in New York, Mike Cunahan. He is sponsored athlete through first form as well mm -hmm. now this guy's i was listening to him speak one day on a podcast he preps every meal he does on and off shift wow so in his patrol car now it's probably a lot easier for certain certain types of responders to do this than others sure he preps his meals and keeps it in a bag lunch bag in his patrol car while he's patrolling yeah and he'll eat cold chicken and rice and, and broccoli while yeah. on shift that's the one percent that's the few people that are dedicated yep. to doing something like that and you know I listen to him speak and he pretty you can listen to him and other and firefighters listen to it whoever but you have to be 100 percent invested into doing something like that yeah absolutely I, listen I used to do bodybuilding so I remember yeah. those days <laughs> uh there's a very specific reason why I'm not in bodybuilding anymore because I like to have a life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a few friends who did it and they said the same thing. They need to have more of a life and they couldn't wait to come off the cycle and yeah. start having more, more food again and how they ate. And, you know, I, I did different things when I played sports. I tried different ways to eat, eating at certain times of the day with the, the trainers I had, especially in college, um, getting me to eat certain breakfast, certain lunch, certain snacks in between taking certain supplements your body can only withstand that for so long doing oh, that type of thing. yeah and your brain can't either because if the you get bored yeah <laughs> I, I was more bored than anything else I mean, yeah. I'm eating the same breakfast every day for preparing for college when during college baseball for 12 13 weeks eating the same breakfast every single day trying yeah. to spice it up a little bit but just to, to keep muscle on um was tough but you know i what would you recommend to the first responder, 24 hours, guys on shift, 24 hours, 48 hours, how to prepare their, their meals. Sure. Um, yeah. So, so I have a meal prep guide on my website. Uh, and then I also have a free recipe book as well for station dinners. Now, typically what I've noticed with fire, with firefighters, 
you kind of have control over your breakfast and lunch. Like you don't necessarily have control of when you eat it necessarily based on the lady in the ceiling. Um, but dinners is where the, the lack of control is because typically, right, you're buying into dinner and you're eating it as a ship. So typically what I recommend is if you are willing to prep your meals, then I suggest really focusing on breakfast and lunch and then having some snacks available. And then dinner, you know, you can kind of just go based off of what people have and try to do your best to portion it uh, and make sure that you're getting a vegetable at dinner. So with that, my, my rule of thumb is if you can get a protein in a plant three times a day, like at every meal, and a plant is a fruit or a vegetable, you're doing better than 90% of the population. So that means for breakfast, you could do a smoothie and berries or bananas with some protein powder, which is the protein, and then maybe a handful of spinach. So that gets some firefighters all worked up because they're like, ill grow spinach, it's green. Why? But you can't taste it. So no, you can't. And, and that's why I like doing, I love to do smoothie demos at stations because so, I'll have them taste it before I put the spinach in and then I'll have them taste it when I put this, you know, once I put it in and they really don't notice a difference. So um, smoothies are fantastic for that. And plus that's something that's really good. Like if you have a commute, which I do have like an hour commute, that's a good thing to drink on the way in. And then you have something in your system if you are working out after lineup or something like that, or you want to even make another breakfast, you can have second breakfast at lineup. Um, then for lunches, uh, buffalo chicken wraps is something that I usually do as a demo for the stations because you basically throw a bunch of chicken breasts in the crock pot, you add some buffalo sauce and light ranch, and then uh, mix that all together, handful of coleslaw veggies and a whole grain wrap, and you are good to go. You have a full serving of vegetables, um, some protein, and it only takes you about 20 to 30 minutes of actual hands-on time for 12 to 15 wraps. You can't find meal prep quicker than that. Yeah. Uh, and, and something that's portable that doesn't require a microwave and you can have on hand, especially if you have a tech rescue drill where you're on the river all day or something like that. Perfect for that because then you don't have to worry about stopping and getting something to eat and it's not a salad because those are nice and all, but they're boring. So those are kind of some of the big things. Like I always recommend smoothies and wraps because they're portable-ish. You can grab them and go and you can make them pretty quickly. The other alternative for meal prep is there are now meal prep companies out there that are relatively affordable. Yep. So in the DC area, that's like Mighty Meals, Factor, uh, Territory, Freshly. And these are not like HelloFresh. Like HelloFresh like gives you the ingredients and then says, cook it and figure it out. Sometimes you don't want to cook. And it still I, takes a long time. Yeah. You know, you got held over and it's like a 24 hour shift becomes a 36 hour shift. And then your kid's sick at the same time and it's all on fire. And it's like, I don't want to cook right now. Like I want to take a nap. So, you know, that's, those are great for like, if you're learning to cook, if you um, just need to try some new recipes, fantastic. But the meal prep companies, it's actually, they will, they're chef prepared, made that week, delivered fresh to your house. And usually some of them have first responder discounts and that brings the meals down to eight to $10 a meal. It's not quite the Chipotle and Cava half off discount that first responders get, but for some people who are doing a lot of Grubhub and that kind of stuff, that's saving people money. So that's the second alternative to actually prepping your meals. Well, there's something you said that I didn't know about. Yeah. And the other thing was New Jersey also has a meal prep. We have Eat Clean Bro. Typical Jersey style. Uh, of course, as is tradition. Yes. 
Frankie Edgar, I think, has a hand in that at UFC. I don't know if he's part of it or has mm-hmm. some friends in that, but I know he does a lot of sponsoring with uh, Eat Clean Bro. So maybe like UFC, fan of Frankie Edgar, Eat Clean Bro. Mm-hmm. That's not a plug. Um, I didn't know Chipotle did that. At least in our area, they did. I didn't, I'm going to check up here because I eat there quite often. Yeah, so, uh, I think like it's it in, if you, you have to be like in uniform, so. Yeah, I should still try it. I should still try one day because uh, I didn't know about that. It's worth it. So I want to stick up, stay on the Chipotle thing for a second. Sure. What are your recommendations for, because there's people that love it and they'll eat it all the time. What are your recommendations to put in the bowl? Absolutely. So I actually just did an infographic on this on my Rescue RD Instagram like two weeks ago. Um, here's the thing. So fast food is kind of a necessary evil for some first responders, right? Um, recruits, rookies who have never cooked a day in their life and they continue to serve medium rare chicken at their rookie dinner. Number one, that, and then also the, the bachelors who got divorced, you know, the second time and they never learned how to cook (laughs) between that time. Um, there are quite a few very specific types of people who do not cook in the fire service and that's okay. So if you're going to Chipotle, uh, the number one thing is what are your goals? So if, if your goal is weight gain, um, it's really easy to do that Chipotle because the portions are really big. It doesn't mean the food choices or most of them, some of them aren't unhealthy. It's just, they can be calorie dense. And when I say calorie dense, like guac, guac is healthy. Avocado is a fantastic source of healthy fats. But if you add a huge dollop of that to your already overflowing Chipotle bowl and your goal is weight loss, it's going to tip the calories in the wrong direction for you. So, uh, usually I would say if you can do brown rice, you know, ideally, uh, beans double up on any veggies. So the fajita veggies or the picos, the salsas, those kinds of things. If you want to do sour cream or cheese, try and get half of a serving of that, you know, try and keep those portions a little bit smaller, um, or just save them for every other time. But really, again, the biggest thing is, can you get a whole grain, a veggie and, oh, I forgot the proteins. That's insulting. I can't believe I forgot the proteins. Wow. That's part. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I just went right over that. That's really embarrassing. Um, so for the protein, we're looking at ideally the chicken is the leanest one. Um, the carnitas, the steak, the steak is actually relatively lean there from my understanding. Um, and then carnitas is kind of like a sometimes thing. The sofritas, if you're vegetarian or vegan is fine as well. Uh, so yeah, I mean, um, it really does come down to portion control, kind of like if you just ran a fire and you're starving, get a big, get a big bowl, double up on everything. Right. Uh, but if it's been a slower day and you're just stopping because you forgot to bring your lunch, then you might want to pull back on the serving size a little bit. So another big thing that especially You would tell first responders, should they be eating that kind of stuff on a daily basis? Should they add more chickens and turkey? What's your stance on, I guess, the red meat game? Sure. So from my understanding, so obviously anytime you choose red meat, I'd prefer it to be a leaner cut, right? Like a sirloin or flank steak or something that's a little bit lower fat, right? Or a lower fat ground beef, whatever. Uh, but really my understanding is it's primarily based off of lifestyle choices. If you eat a ton of red meat and you don't sleep and you're overweight, 
and you don't exercise and you're a smoker. When all of the, like it's, it's looking at all of those lifestyle factors and it tends to um, put people at higher risk for heart disease and cancer because of all of those additional lifestyle factors. When you add red meat to people who exercise, who sleep okay, because fire service, you know, we're doing our best here, um, who exercise regularly, who eat a ton of veggies, particularly the veggie piece. If you eat enough veggies and you add some red meat in here and there, you're perfectly fine. It's again, it comes down to the whole picture and the whole picture of health, if that makes any sense. That, that makes total sense because um, I do eat a lot of vegetables. So mm -hmm. when I, every time I have a steak, I have a ton of vegetables with it, but I eat it where I eat the meat first. I let the meat get into my system. I pretty much wash it down with the greens or whatever yeah. vegetable I'm eating. Mm -hmm. And I was reading something on that from Darren Oline. He's a superfood guy talking about how if you're going to eat red meat, don't mix it with your vegetables, but eat your vegetables after you eat the red meat for digestive enzyme purposes with your body. The only I time I ever heard seen... someone talk about it. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen anything like that, really. I just don't complain too much as long as the firefighter's eating vegetable. Yeah. The bar is low. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> if it works for you, I'm, I'm all hey, for it. I haven't seen yeah. anything yet, but sure. Yeah, I just happened to read it in his book, and I was like, that's an interesting take on, on red meat. And, mm -hmm. You know, so the last thing I really want to get into is hydration. Sure. Because that is a topic. I was dehydrated once. That's I actually bad. sent to the hospital on a fire call. Yeah, it's bad. Dehydrating. Uh, I tried to hydrate best I could, but it was a very early morning call and it mm -hmm. ran all the way through the day. It was a hot summer, hundred some degrees. Yeah. But nor here nor there. You know, what, what do you what do you want? What should firefighters be doing before shift? I, I during shift, should they be prepping before the night before? So hydration. Yeah. yeah, ideally you want to be thinking like the afternoon before you go on shift to really be hydrating. Uh, we're looking at 90 ounces per day for women and 125 ounces per day for men. And that's the baseline. So that's like, you know, before you go and stand in a gas leak and sweat your butt off because it's hundred degrees out before you run a box, all of those things. Um, the one thing that I really recommend, and we have trialed this out at Fairfax and I've seen uh, LA also trial out similar, similar things as well is uh, liquid IV or drip drop which are those um, oral rehydration solution packets. They, uh, Costco sells liquid IV. So does uh, Walmart, Amazon. Uh, my understanding is most people like the flavor profile of drip drop a little bit better, um, but liquid IV tends to be cheaper. So pick your poison, right? Um, and what these oral rehydration solutions do is they have a little bit of glucose, uh, about half the sugar of, of Gatorade. Not that Gatorade's bad. If you have it on hand, go ahead and drink it. Um, if you're on a hot call kind of thing, but it also has about double the electrolytes. So double the sodium and potassium of a standard Gatorade Powerade sports drink. The biggest thing for me with the liquid IV and drip drops is they are packets. So they are super portable because compared to Gatorade, you know, to have a pallet of Gatorade on the rig is probably not realistic, but to have a handful of liquid IVs, which is roughly about the same. It's a lot easier. You can store it in your gear. You can store it somewhere on the rig. And you guys probably have access to water a, a lot easier than you do like Gatorade and like canteens, rehab units. They only respond to those larger calls, right? So uh, 
you can, like, if you know, you kind of feel a little off, like maybe you're already headachey, you knew you were outside the day before doing yard work or drinking it with your buddies, uh, more realistically, right? Then you might want to consider a liquid IV on the way to work or a drip drop on the way to work, just to make sure you have your bases covered in case that kind of call does drop or in case you do want to do a, a workout in the hot bay kind of situation. So um, now the big thing with the liquid IV is it really does help like prevent that hangover-ish feeling that you get after those really hot calls where you know you didn't hydrate well. It helps rehydrate faster because of the glucose and the sodium and the potassium. And it replaces those electrolytes that you lost through sweat. So if you have a tendency of feeling really headachey, sluggish, low energy after those types of calls, then I suggest trying the liquid IV or the drip drop and uh, getting that in as soon as you can on those types of alarms, as early as you can. I know realistically, it's probably not gonna happen on the way, but if you can kind of get it, like I need to get this in my water bottle as fast as I can when I have a second, that's what we're looking at. That's, uh, that's really good to know for a lot of people out there that, you know, um, I know guys that don't drink a lot of water mm -hmm. and I'm drinking about a, almost a gallon a day. I try, I try to. Yeah, so keep in mind with the water thing, all fluids count. So that include that actually includes coffee, that includes teas, that includes crystal light, that includes technically includes soda, but I don't really encourage it, right? If it's liquid, it does technically count towards your hydration status. So it doesn't mean that you have to pound a gallon of water. I mean, ideally I'd like at least half your fluids be water, right? Um, with the caffeine piece, because a lot of people think that, oh, coffee is gonna dehydrate me. And that was a big myth that was debunked a couple of years ago. Uh, basically coffee doesn't necessarily dehydrate you unless the, the caffeine dose gets over 300 milligrams, which is roughly 30 ounces of coffee-ish. So if you're doing a 20 ounce mug in the morning, then maybe get some water and after, you're gonna be perfectly fine. But what that caffeine does is you pee more in the first hour, but the 20, your 24 hour hydration status over the course of the rest of the day is usually fine. At 300 milligrams of caffeine, you could potentially compound the effects of dehydration. So you have a cup of coffee, a big jug of coffee or an energy drink, you run a fire related call and you weren't very well hydrated prior to that, that 300 milligrams of caffeine you down before that call could make the hydration or, you know, you go into the hospital feel a lot worse. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, just mentioned 300 milligrams. That's a lot. I, I can't even get past hundred. Oh, it's not a problem with uh, these uh, bangs, Celsius, heats, uh, rain. It, it, the pre-workouts have gotten out of control. Like we thought jacked was bad, you know, in 2015, but it's gotten worse. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of those happening now. And then pre-workout supplements and I, I'm not a big fan. So for me, I wouldn't even know where to start because I've tried them, got sick off them and just left them alone. Mm -hmm. back in my 20s I stopped so I, I mean I see people do it. it is what it is I, I don't offer advice to anybody but you know I just think about how you put that into you depending on what you're putting in your body because I, I like to look at what I'm putting in as well sure well I mean it's it's you know coming from the bodybuilding space I see why people do it I mean if the jacked guy at golds is you know doing two scoops of jacked yeah you know, before his workout and then eats a steak halfway through, you're going to be like, 
that actually looks like a really good idea. I think I should start yeah. doing that. Uh, you know, absolutely. And then on top of that, as first responders, your sleep's probably garbage, right? Like, you know, you, you you're, it's also tends to be more prevalent at those really busy stations who have three to four calls after midnight. And that is just the standard, right? Plus they decide they pick up some overtime and they have a second job because the people who go to those stations are insane, uh, right? They're, they like to be busy typically. So it's, it's no surprise that um, I see people really want to use those pre-workout supplements. I don't personally recommend them because of the risk of side effects, right? And the tendency for a lot of people as you build a tolerance to that caffeine to go for a second scoop. Also, not all pre-workout supplements are third-party tested. Um, no pre-workout supplements typically are uh, FDA regulated. So it could say that it has beta alanine on the label, but if it's not third-party tested, you don't know that it actually has beta alanine in it. Uh, another thing that really grinds my gears was when I see uh, proprietary blends with no uh, gram dosage next to the ingredient. So that's a really easy way for a company to say that it has an ingredient that's performance enhancing, but not actually have the dose required to enhance performance. So beta alanine is one of those big ones. I think it's about three to six grams that you need to actually see the muscle buffering effect. And um a lot of times they just put like a sprinkle in there so that you get the face itchies and, yep. uh, <laughs> you know, you're ready to tackle a gorilla and people just are like perfectly happy with that because they think it's working. Uh, it's the same reason why Neutrogena made that cooling effect for face washes, um, you know, back in the nineties, because it made women think it was working because there was a tingly effect on their, you know, face. So it's the same thing with guys in pre-workout. Uh, sorry, I'm going on a real tangent on this, but uh, the last <laughs> thing with that is I also understand. So my husband, God love him. He does not listen to me much like most of my first responders. When it comes to pre-workout, he will dry scoop pre-workout going 80 miles an hour to gold's gym after work every day. And he's not going to listen to me. So if you are in my husband's boat, right. And you're like, I'm going to do pre-workout no matter what you tell me to do at the very least try and choose one that's like under two, around a 200 milligram dose, if not less, stay away from the 400 milligrams or more. Uh, that's really probably overkill for a lot of people. Plus, in addition to when you're doing uh, what you're doing later on in the evening, are you doing energy drinks? Are you doing ca uh, coffees, teas, um, caffeine pills? Like there are all different ways that people get caffeine now. Um, you know, the other thing is you could taper back the dose, take a half scoop. Um, you might have to taper back every three weeks and do some cycling so that you don't build a huge tolerance to it. So there are ways you can take pre-workout and be safer with it. It's not what I recommend, but I also would rather have a next best option for people who are going to do it regardless of what I say. It's always good to have those options out there because you just never know. You never know what people are going to want to do when they're going to need it. You know, need that energy boost, need that energy for the gym, whatever. So exactly. it's always good to have that. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of different things in here that are definitely takeaways for everybody. I mean, you can bring it home to our families and they can share this information and utilize it in their daily life, you know, because that's what it's about. It's about, you can do it in the firehouse. You're going to eat right there, eat right at home too. And vice versa. If you're going to eat right at home, try to have that same mentality when you're in the firehouse because there's nothing better than sharing a healthy lifestyle with others and keeping people safe, safe and healthy in the end, because we Absolutely. all want to go home. We all want to go home at the end of the day. 
So where could we find you if anyone want to reach out, want to have you come to their station and give demonstrations, just talk? Where are sure. you on? Uh, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I post six times a week on Instagram, mix of uh, infographics, reels, that kind of thing. There is a free station dinner recipe book available on my website, rescuerd.com. And it's basically specialized to fire station dinners. Half a pound of protein per person um, for shifts of six, 10, and 14. Grocery list and ingredients list for different head counts. Um, and it's healthy-ish options for five to $6 a head. So it really tries to take what you guys typically do, you know, for cost-wise, um, portion-wise, and assume for leftovers. So, you know, because I, I can tell you individually what your portion size is, but I basically assume that all firefighters eat double of what a Pinterest family would eat. <laughs> so, um, there's 27 recipes in that it's free on my, um, on my, on my website, rescuerd.com. Uh, through my business, RescueRD LLC, I can actually do presentations and do virtual or in-person um, consults to your fire station. I do individualized one-on-one -on -one coaching and you get a free app involved with that. Um, so there's a bunch of different things that I can do. If you are interested in bringing me out to your station, you can just check out my website for ideas on that, rescuerd.com. And I'll put all that in the show notes the best I can. I'll put your Thank links you. and everything else in there. Um, do you have anything else? Any last words before we head on out? No, I mean, I think the biggest thing at the end of the day is what can you be consistent with? And if that's one less soda a day, that's a starting point, right? So don't get discouraged from what you see on the internet and, and you know, doing everything perfect. One step in the right direction is the perfect start for most people. Megan, thank you. Thank you for coming on, sharing this wealth of knowledge with the fire service community. I hope people take even just a tidbit of this information and add it into their daily lifestyle. Just a little bit each day equates to big wins over time. So thank you. And like we say here at the Fire, fire, tool, fire, fire tool Firefighter and Fire Tribune, until next time, work hard, stay safe and live inspired. today's episode of the five tool firefighter podcast if you like what you heard and you want to hear more please subscribe to our podcast on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts also please leave us a rating and don't forget to pick up the book the five tool firefighter available on amazon at the firehouse until next time work hard stay safe and live inspired